to Psalm 139 tonight, Psalm 139. If I were to title this week's teaching, it would be the inescapable God. Do you know that he's an inescapable God? Uh, we spoke the, the first couple weeks uh, that this psalm talks about the omnipresence uh, of God, the omniscience of God, the um, omnipotence of God. We talked about how uh, um, the omniscience of God is the state that God knows everything and that the omnipotence of God is the state that he has power, uh, unlimited power over everything. And tonight we're going to transition into the omniscience of God. And you know that the omniscience is the fact that God is present everywhere, uh, that his presence cannot be escaped. Ask Jonah, he'll tell you that. Jonah tried to escape God's presence and go to Tarshish and uh, to run from him. And he found that God was more personal and present than ever when he tried to do that. And so uh, tonight we're going to look at that very truth. Uh, Joseph XL says that God is intimately and essentially in all parts and places of the world. God is not only present in the world, but he's infinitely existent also without the world and beyond all things but himself. So not only does God know us as we've studied in the previous weeks, but uh, we, we're going to learn tonight that he is with us wherever we go. One of my favorite verses uh, can be found in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Actually, can one of you just look it up in the Amplified, uh, if you have the Amplified, the AMPC. Karen, can you get that for me? AMPC, Hebrews 13, uh, verses 5. It starts out by saying, he, God himself, has said. And uh, does somebody have that? Can you just? For he, God himself, has said, Thank I will you, not Tina. in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we take confidence and boldly and confidently say, God is my helper. What can man do to me is how that ends. So Tina, he says, I will not, I will not, I will not. Anytime you see something, a phrase repeated over and over in scripture, he's doing it to stress it. And so he's saying, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, helpless or relax my hold on you. Nor forsake you. Nor forsake you. Assuredly not. Absolutely not. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never relax my hold on you. So you can take confidence and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? For he, God himself, has said that. That he's never going to leave you. And you're going to find tonight that you can go wherever you want to go to try to hide from God. But even there, he's present. And so we're going to look at that in Psalm 139. Uh, if you have your Bibles, does somebody, I want to give the, the, um, the congregation a chance to share. Does somebody in the congregation want to just read that for us? Psalm 139. And we're going to look at verses 7 through 12. Does somebody courageous and want to do that for us? Grab that, Bible, grab that mic and go ahead and read it. So 7 through 12, Renee. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the, the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. 
If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. Mm -hmm. The night will shine like the day. The darkness is as light to you, Father God. Yes, it is. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? Uh, it's really a rhetorical question, but the answer is nowhere. Uh, and you're going to find that as we look at, at the verses. I'm going to ask the team if there was a, um, a translation that really stuck out to you uh, this week. I especially want to make sure we catch the voice. So does somebody have the voice? Because I thought that was phenomenal. And so uh, do you want to just share one of your favorite translations? The voice, Karen, you have the voice, but make sure you get the mic. So 7 through 12 only, though. Can I go anywhere apart from your spirit? Is there anywhere I can go to escape your watchful presence? If I go up, up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the realm of the dead, you are there. If I ride on the wings of morning, if I make my home in the most isolated part of the ocean, even then you will be there to guide me. Your right hand will embrace me, for you are always there. Even if I am afraid and think to myself, there is no doubt that the darkness will swallow me. Mm. The, the light around me will soon be turned to night. You can see in the dark, for it is not dark to your eyes. For you, the night is just as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to your eyes. Oh, isn't that good? That was why I pulled it. I, I, loved, I loved that. Even if I'm afraid... And I think to myself, there's no doubt this darkness will swallow me. How many of you have ever been in a dark night of the soul? How many of you have ever experienced pain or heartache or depression and you felt like the darkness was going to swallow you? Listen to this. There's no doubt that the darkness will swallow me, but the light around me will soon be turned to night. You can see in the dark. For it is not dark to your eyes, for to you the night is just as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to your eyes. Aren't you glad that we have a God who can see in the dark? That darkness is as light to him. Any other translations? Because there were some good ones. Yeah, Petra. I have the message. Um, it says, is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light, and it's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. And I looked up the word immerse, uh -huh. and I just love that word. And it said to plunge into something that surrounds or covers. Uh -huh. And so that he is just surrounding us in his light. Yeah. Um, and it's also to absorb, like to be baptized by immersion. And I just love that, just yeah. that visual. Very good. Good, good, good. So any other translations? Yeah, Karen. If you, if you ever have, don't know a team member's name, just say Karen because you're pretty <laughs> safe. <in the> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have the living. And um, it was one of my favorites. Um, I can never be lost to your spirit. I can never get away from my God. If I go up to the heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of dead, you are there. If I ride in the morning wings to the farthest ocean, you're even there. Your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. If I try to hide in the darkness, the night becomes light around me. 
For even darkness cannot hide for God from God. You too, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are both alike to you. Are both alike to you. Yeah, very good. Karen, what did you like about that? Why did you pick that translation? Well, of course, I, I love the first line. I can never be lost to your spirit. Um, that, that's such a, a comforting place to be. And um, if, if I hide in the darkness, the night becomes light around me. It's um, that he pushes away all dark and lets his light shine through everything. I can never be lost to you. I remember praying for my, my sons, and one of the things that I would pray all the time is, Lord, thank you that your arm is not too short, mm -hmm. that it cannot save, that wherever they're at, that you can snatch them out of the darkness and bring them into your light, and I think you see that in that yeah. passage very clearly. A any other translations that stuck out to you? So I, um, I'm virtual schooling my daughter. She's in first grade, and uh -huh. so we're learning about punctuation. And so I was reading the Passion Translation, and so many of the sentences end with an exclamation point. And so uh -huh. we're learning how to read with expression and, like, surprise and, you know. And so I'm, like, picturing David when he's writing this. And um, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I run and hide from your face? And then verse 8, if I go up to heaven, you're there, exclamation point. <laughs> like, almost like... You know, if I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. You know, yeah. if I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there, exclamation point. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting, exclamation point. Um, and it says, it continues, wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For yeah. your presence is everywhere bringing light into my night. There's no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. So what translation is that again? This is the passion. So the passion, I, I really like that it said, if I ask the darkness to if hide I me, because to. as you study this passage, that's basically what you'll find is he's doing. He's, it is somebody running from God and asking the darkness to hide them, going into places they should not be, doing things they should not do. Anyway, I interrupted you. What were we going to say? No, I just like, like just the punctuation that it uses of just, I can just see him going, you know, and like making a list. And there you are. And yeah. there you are. And I tried to go. And there you were. And there, and I don't know. It was just excellent. It made me just think yes. of him just as just in awe, you yeah. know, of his God. Excellent. So. And, and it really comes out also in one of those scriptures. I think it's the part that they talk about Sheol. Uh, he says, behold, you're there. He's surprised to find God even in Sheol. Uh, and so that, that's excellent. Very good. Uh, Karen, you were going to read what translation? Uh, the CEV. Where could I go to escape from your spirit or from your sight? If I were to climb up into the highest heavens, you'd be there. If I were to dig down to the world of the dead, you would be there also. Suppose I had wings like the dawning day and flew across the oceans. Even then, your powerful arm would guide and protect me like that. Or suppose I said, I'll hide in the dark until night comes to cover me over. But you see in the dark, because daylight and dark are all the same to you. Mm -hmm. Very good. So what did you like about that? It, it just was so simple. Yeah. Like the words were just so simple and clear to me. Yeah. Good, 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 good. All right. So have you ever tried to run from God? Have you ever tried to hide from God? Uh, you can tell in this passage that you can't. And David is making that very, uh, very clear that God is everywhere. There's nowhere you can hide from him. It's interesting that uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, uh, the Bible says that they hid from God. 
Uh, and, and God comes into the garden and he says, where are you? And I've always, when I taught that passage, I've said God didn't, God didn't need them to, di- to disclose where they were. He knew. He, he was asking for their benefit. You're hiding from me. Um, why are you hiding? Where are you? Where are the Adam and Eve I created? Because they would not be hiding from me. So let's just look at this passage in a little more depth. Uh, as I said, the passage is about the, boundless, the boundlessness of God's domain. Um, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whether we want to be or not, <laughs> whether we want him to be there or not, he is. Uh, he, we are surrounded by his presence. And he starts out, Psalmist starts out by saying, where can I go from your spirit? Now, you need to understand that the psalmist was not contemplating uh, how he could flee from God. As I said, that's a rhetorical question. He's Rather, he's saying, there's nowhere I can go that you are not. Um, there, he's not able to do anything to put himself beyond the reach of God is what he's saying. Um, so if you're running from God tonight, save your energy. I'm just going to tell you that. So um, where can I go from your presence? What did you find out about that verse? Where can I go uh, from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? Anything stick out for you, team? Well, when it was talking about where can you go, proceed, um, I, I was telling the girls that when we were looking over the verses, sometimes when we're reading words, they seem more complicated and you really have to dig into what they mean. And all of these words in these verses seemed very plain and like they are what they say they are. And so there wasn't a lot of surprises about what they meant, but but yeah, I think that like when it was talking about presence, um, it, it did stand out because it said forward, formerly, before time, in the face of, um, but to turn around towards or away. And so it was all directions. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the whole idea behind all of these words, I just kept thinking they're, they're all very plain and spelled out, but the whole idea behind everything that he's saying is so profound. Mm-hmm. And so just the word presence that before, behind, all around. Yeah, very good. And, and so where can I move? It means to, to go away from, to walk away from. But my favorite was to move away from. Did anybody see that? Where can I move away from your presence? What, your spirit, what does that mean to you? If it, it, where can I move away from? Why would that stick out to me? If I was studying that passage and I saw that definition, why would, where can I move away from your spirit? What, what, why would that intrigue me? Why would you want to move away from his spirit? And, and that it's not his spirit moving away from me, it's me making the decision to move away from his spirit. Uh, you know, it is, it's the passage that we talk about, God's pleasant path leads to pleasant places. When I move away from his spirit, I get out of his path. And I'm, I'm going to head someplace that's not going to be pleasant. But, but notice it's me moving away from, your, from his spirit. And even when I make the decision to move away, he's still there. He follows me. He's like a, a pesty little sister that never leaves my, my shadow. Karen, you were going to say something. For me, um, just one of the things, I shared this once with the team once before, but this verse, like when I was, um, I mean, just this whole, this whole section, like when I was pregnant with my first daughter, you know, God really brought it to life. Like, I don't think there's any greater way that we can comprehend this verse than the picture of pregnancy. When a baby is within you, where can I, where can this baby go? You know, you can't, this baby cannot flee its mother the same way that we cannot flee 
you know, flee so God. Good. So it's like where, wherever I go, you're there. Wherever I, where I am, I cannot flee. And if the baby, in a sense, were to try to separate from the mother, the result is death. And so it's like such a great, great, great analogy. And so for each pregnancy, it was so brought to life. Like, this is incredible. This really is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I just... When I thought about it, just think of like parents that even have, um, you know, wayward children, you know, just let that, let that picture, you know, they were once, you know, within you and um, just the power of the Holy Spirit, no matter what, no matter what it looks like for your wayward children, wayward family members, friends, whoever, where can that person go from their spirit? They, they can't. I mean, the same way that a baby, everywhere that mother goes, that baby is going with. And what a beautiful, beautiful picture of our literally intertwined relationship with the Holy Spirit. So I just get excited for this part because when the Lord brought that to my mind, it, just, it, it was such a clear picture of the, our relationship with the Holy Spirit and that promise. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. Uh, so where can I go from your spirit? What is the word spirit there? I really, I really like this word. Okay. Um, so there was, you know, obviously, like, there's this section, and when you look it up, there's this huge, long definition. It is, yeah. Um, but there's the part that is talking about, like, the, the Spirit of God. Like, that's, you know, there's a specific section. But if you just go to that section and just look at that, like, there was a lot that you missed. And so um, I really enjoyed where it talked about, like, the wind, the breath. But it talks about um, impatience, patience, spirit disposition, um, unaccountable or uncontrollable impulse. Um, and that really, to me, was like a picture of the wind and how it's, Very how, and, and that is what the Holy Spirit does in us. He's uncontrollable. He could be patient. He can be impatient. He can, you know, and so it's like wherever, wherever the wind goes is like, you know, and that's such a good picture. Um, and if you just went down to the section where it talks about the, the Spirit of God, you would have missed that. Very good. And so do you see that? Very good, Tina. So what Tina's saying is here, it, it means wind, breath, mind, spirit. So if, the, if the, the Holy Spirit is breath or wind, I was studying this week and I was thinking about the wind. When I go outside and the wind is blowing and I can feel it, it's tangible, I can, I can feel the wind blowing. But if, if it's not a windy day and I go outside, is there still wind? I'm just not aware of it. And isn't that like the presence of God? Sometimes he's moving in such a way that it's undeniable, that, that we, get, we, can't, uh, we can't deny that, that the wind of his spirit is blowing, is sweeping through our lives. But sometimes our life is stagnant, and, and while the wind, even there he is, I can't flee from his spirit, so his spirit is still there. I'm just not aware of it. Do you see? So I really like that the word is wind there for that reason. What else stuck out about the spirit or presence that you liked? Where can I flee from your presence? Did you look that up? Was there anything else that you saw in that, guys? In the word presence, it was face, face. favor, or sight. Mm -hmm. So just to put that whole verse, it's basically you can't accept, um, you can't escape God. He's constantly with you all the time. So let's talk about the word presence meaning face. Why is that important, that God's presence means his face? Why, Leah? It's personal. But what do we seek sometimes when we seek God? We're seeking his hand. 
We're, we're seeking what he can do for us, what he can give us. And, and I love that he's saying his presence, and his presence means his face. Lord, I just want to be in your presence. And we say that all the time, but really what we're looking for is his hand. And the word presence here means face. If, I, if I'm looking at Megan face to face, I, I'm focusing on her face. Her hand's not even in my vision. Do, do you see? And sometimes we seek God and we want his hand, and we're not seeking his face. Anything else that you found about those? Uh, why did you like that? That's who God is. before time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. So what did you find out about flea? There's something really important in flea that we should have picked up. There's a couple of things. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a slow word. It, it was to bolt, um, to flee suddenly. And, um, and I think sometimes when we're in the middle of something that we're doing wrong, like I, I know that we can um, slowly think that we're, we're doing something okay, but uh, we turn away quickly from God when um, when we know we're doing something wrong. And I know people say God never turns away from us. We turn away from him, but um, we, we bolt away from him. Why would we want to bolt, Leah? Give me some examples of what would make Conviction. us bolt. Conviction. Conviction. Doing something wrong, don't think God will see it if you bolt. <laughs> yeah. So what was interesting to me, and I don't know, did you look up the other uses of this word? This is an example of why looking up the other uses of the word is very important. What what were the uses of the word flee used for? Anybody? The first mention was in Genesis 16.6, and it was talking about Abraham and Sarah. And behold, the man is in the hand due to her as he pleases thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, so um, Sarah was angry about the servant and um and abram said well then do what you want with her and so sarah was unkind to her and dealt with her as she wanted to and the lady fled from her face okay so, so she, what's an example of fleeing from what something negative and a negative an enemy if you look at every use of the word flee this word flee uh, every place else it's used in a narrative and it's used of fleeing an enemy So if you are looking at that context, then you're thinking that, David, where can I flee from your presence? Is he making God an enemy there? Why would God ever be an enemy? Why would you ever want to bolt from God? Why would God ever be an enemy? Anybody? If you knew you were doing something wrong and you were fearing his judgment instead of his mercy. And and we prayed tonight, one of the things I'm so grateful for is that God is a merciful God, that he lures us with loving kindness. It is the kindness of God that brings about repentance. And God is not an enemy. But if you, it depends on how you're looking at this. If you're looking at this through the eyes of a sinful life, you're going to see God as the enemy. Uh, Karen? I was just going to say, then when you, if you go back to that word ruach, the spirit, it's temper, anger. Yes. You know, impatience. Patience. What? It's like, yeah, you might want to flee from his anger because yeah. you're doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah, very it's good. It's mentioned over sixty times in in the Hebrew Bible. Yep, so I, like sixty six, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like Jonah was one. There's a lot of different examples of it. Yep, and and so yeah, of those sixty six times, most of them are fleeing an enemy. Yeah, very good. Uh, so he's saying, no matter how hard I try, I can't escape it. Well, what was interesting to me. Um, 
Let's just go on. Let's look at the, um, where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. This is really important. The word depth there, some of your Bibles might say sheol or hell. Uh, And and so that's going to be important. So you're seeing the word heaven. You're seeing the word sheol or or hell. Um, and, And so let's talk a bit about that, team. What did you find out there? Well, Sheol is, is an underworld or a grave or a hell. Um, in the Old Testament, it said abode of the, of the dead, yep. a place of no return. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that a place without praise of God. Yes. So let's talk about mm-hmm. that. It's a place without praise of God, um, and, that, and that being hell. <laughs> So let's not think of it as the underworld there. Let's just think about it as we're living our life without the praise of God, a place void of praise of God, a place void where you don't give God praise, where you don't, um, your life is, is not uh, giving him praise. It's really a type of hell, isn't it? Um, it, it? Yeah. So what else did you find? Good. So You know, it's even if, I was just thinking, so I'm trying. To, we're trying to sell our house, and if I focus on not getting an offer, you know, it's kind of a hell. You know, I've got to turn my, my, my focus around and praise him no matter what. Mm-hmm. With your first song, it was like, oh, yeah, you're still in control. You are all about this, God. And I am so sorry that my, my eyes were in the wrong direction. You know, but that, that is a, it can be a sort of hell. There you go. Any place that there's lack of praise for the Lord would, would really be a type of hell. So is he saying that God is in hell here, do you think? Well, it says here a place of exile. <laughs> and so I was trying to think about that. Like, we can talk about hell as an eternal thing, you know, the end. But I feel like he's talking here not about that because he's not talking about himself dying. And so I think it's a, it's a place of um, time. In existence, and so when it said the place of exile, that's what I thought of: is that we can send ourselves in and out of exile all the time, and it's just a matter of what we're choosing to do every single day. And so um, that really stood out to me. And the the first mention indicated that it was. I forgot to write it down. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> Let's see what the first mention is, because if you saw that, there must be a reason. Um, Leah's saying that the first mention of Sheol uh, really triggered it was, something. It was grave, it, and it was pit. That's what it was. There you go. And so I was thinking that when we are sinning and in our place of sin, we're in a pit. In a pit. Mm-hmm. So. And, and I, I see that in so many people who are in a pit. They come to me for prayer and they're in a pit. And I say to them, when is the last time you spent time with the Lord? When is the last time you, you read the word? When is the last time you were walking in obedience and, and living a life of repentance? Because that is really where life happens. Um, and so here it is in black and white. And I wish that this is so clear to me it, because of the way I used to live. This is black and white for me. It is, I, I wish that I could convince people that when we separate ourselves, when we banish ourselves from the presence of God, from pleasing him, from his word, I promise you it's a hell. I promise you your life will end up in a pit. And, and it's so easy for me to see that if we just turn and repent and we head back in God's direction even there he is he he's waiting with arms wide open and we we pull ourselves out of that pit 
Um, yeah, very good. Anything else? I, I do think that it's a wider use of the term. I think we talked about uh, mirrorisms the past couple weeks, and remember, mirrorisms are exact opposites, and I think we see it here. Um, it's a wider use of these two terms, so not so much a place, but extremes. So it, it, God is in the physically highest place, and he's also in the physically lowest place in life. And he's in your highs, and he's in your lows. He's in the pit that you take yourself to, and you don't know how to get out. Even there he is. You, you can't run from him. Um, and so what else stuck out to you? I have a question yeah, on Karen. it. Okay, so this is just to help you all know that um, we don't get it all the time, or I don't get it all the time. So I looked at the root word of that, and I don't understand it. Um, the root of word of shoal is shawl. Sheol. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's to ask, inquire, to beg, to, to, yeah, to borrow, to give or lend or request. Yeah, I would think that that would, I didn't study it, but I would think that it would relate back to remember, uh, who was it, Dave Lazarus, and he was in Sheol and he wanted a drink of water. Is that, who was it, him? And he wanted to, he said, dip your finger in water. And when he was in Sheol, he was asking, he was begging, he was requiring, he wanted out of there, he wanted relief. And trust me, that's what hell is going to be like. Uh, where we want relief, we're begging for relief. <laughs> and, and, and so if you say, let's just say it's literal. Leah said that she doesn't believe it's a literal hell. I do believe that there's an aspect, it's both, it's, it's both and. Um, and so if we're talking about even in Sheol, the place of the dead that God is. Why would God be in hell? I think I think I was just thinking of this. I'm back here. Like, <laughs> um, because His righteous judgment is everywhere. Exactly. So if, yes. If you have a person, if you're in hell, you're still going to know that God is who He is. You, you know, I mean, you're God's gonna... God's character traits are still going to be evident right. in hell. Right. And, and what are the character traits that would be evident in hell? I think, well, you're not going to have his love. You betcha. Yeah, you're not going to have his love down there because he can't. Well, that's going to be absent. But what's right. going to be present in hell about the aspects of God, the character of God? God's righteousness. God's righteousness. Yeah. And, and if we're not following God's righteousness, what are we going to get? Eternal separation. Wrath. And so we don't preach wrath right now. You are in a time, you and I are in a time where God's wrath is being held back by the love of, by what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, by grace. We're in a time of grace right now. But just like Noah's ark, Noah built that ark and people laughed at him and mocked him for building that ark. Do you remember that? And, 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 but there was a time when, when Noah got in that ark, there was a time of grace where those people could have, could have said, I want to help you with this. I believe in what you're doing. I understand uh, the, the wrath of God and they could have responded. But there was a time when the the door got shut. And I'm telling you that we are living in a time of grace right now where God's door is wide open and he's saying, come and avoid my wrath. It's a time of grace, but the day will come and I believe it's coming quickly when the door will be shut and it will be too late, my friends. It will be too late. And, and so God is even in hell by, in the, in the, the uh, with the understanding that, that his, his traits of wrath and, and, and uh, judgment will take place in hell. And there will be eternal separation from God. And people say, well, it's annihilation. I'll just stop being. You're reading the wrong Bible. 
Because my Bible says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It will be eternal torment. Have you ever even been in a little bit of torment in your life? This will be eternal torment. Rhea, isn't there somewhere in the Bible where it does talk about somebody that went to hell and they're begging? Lazarus, uh huh, yep. Okay, where he says, dip my finger, right. dip your finger in water that's and just give me some so relief. Yes, very good, Sandy. Yeah. Yep. So, yes, Pam. My father had an open heart surgery years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, when he, you know, came through and everything, he was crying and bawling to me and my brother, and he wouldn't let us leave the room. And the reason is, is because when you go through open heart surgery, you're actually physically dead at, at, for a part of time. And my father said that while he was dead, that um, he was in a room full of people, and something came behind him and grabbed him and got a hold of him, and he heard this voice that said, you can't have him. Hmm. And even when you're dead and you're a Christian and you follow God, God's not leaving you. And that always made an impact on my life because I walked away from God for so long and he still brought me back, you know, through various ways. But, you, yeah, you, you can't run from him no matter what. Even in death, you can't run yeah. from him. Many of you have heard me tell this story about my mom when she, right before she died. My mom loved Jesus so much, um, but she, she lived a, a double life at times and um, she, was, uh, she was in intensive care. She had been comatose for a couple days, and I was standing at the end of her bed, and I was reading. Uh, I, was, I was standing at the end of her bed, and my niece was on her left side, and she was reading the Word of God to her, and she was unresponsive. She had, uh, had a heavy oxygen mask on, and all of a sudden, she's, she's thrashing in the bed after days of being unresponsive, and uh, her eyes popped open, and she pulled away her mask, and she said, speak the name of Jesus over me. And she's in intensive care, so the, the desk is right there with all the nurses, and out of my mouth just came pouring the names of Jesus, and I just kept going till I didn't have any other names. And finally I said, Mama, he is your Prince of Peace. And she said, he's, he's, uh, she, I said, Mama, he is your everlasting Father. And she said, he is my Prince of Peace. And she put their mask back on and went right back into that comatose state. And I knew something happened. My niece was laying there. She was weeping, watching the whole thing take place. And, and, and so right before she died, Debbie, what was it? Maybe a couple hours before she died. She came out of that coma. And she was talking to us just like she was, just like I'm talking to you right now. She went from a coma to that state. And she called everybody to her side one by one. She took Dave to, his, to her side. She said something to Dave. She called everybody into the room one by one and, and just said something to them. But to me, she said, sit down. I have something I need to tell you. And, and I said, Mama, you don't have to tell me anything. Don't waste, you know, don't waste your breath. And she said, I have to tell you what happened to me. And I knew what she was talking about because I had witnessed it. I saw how she was thrashing herself on the bed and, and I said, Mama, what was it? And she said, Rhea, I was in hell. I know I was in hell. Mm -hmm. 
She said, it's, it, it's a horrible sulfur smell. It was cold and damp. And she said, I was, I was going through what I knew was hell. And I knew if I turned around and looked at what was behind me that, that I would stay there. And she said, when I came to and I said, speak the name of Jesus over me, I knew that I needed to cry out to Jesus. And she said, Rhea, I have gotten away from the Lord. I said, Mama, if you're not going to heaven, none of us are. There's not any hope for any of us because you love Jesus. She said, I love Jesus, Rhea, but I haven't been following him. I haven't been walking in obedience to him. I haven't been living that life. And she said, I am so grateful. Dave, am I exaggerating at all? She said, I am so grateful that he gave me another opportunity uh, to, to, to repent and get my life in order. And I'm telling you, that is the truest story I can ever tell you. So I understand, Pam, that your dad saw that because I know my mom. And I know that woman loved the Lord. And so I am just telling you that it's a real thing. It is an absolute real thing. So anyway, so if I make my bed in Sheol, even there you are. Um, and so anything else that you, you thought stuck out to you there? I love that the behold is there. Some of your translations uh, will say behold, and it's an, it's an exclamation. It's what, what Megan was talking about. He's absolutely surprised to find God in hell. Um, he didn't expect to find him in Sheol. Uh, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. What did you find out about that? There was a translation. I didn't write it down. Um, it said the wings of the morning, hmm. which he talked about um, being translated like modern day would be like the speed of light. That's right. And in Hebrew, it's um, like daybreak. Uh -huh. So they were talking about the speed at which when the sun first breaks through the horizon, that it covers from as far as the east is, you know, to the west. And some translations, you know, talked about it from, um, yeah, the wings of the morning to the, the sea, which is talking about, I guess, the Mediterranean, which is in, in their culture was the farthest, the farthest west, west that they knew. Very good. Yes, very good. So what, what is he saying then if that's the case? What, Wearsby said this. Let me just add to that and then you can tell me what you think. Wearsby said, if at sunrise I could jump up on one of the sunbeams, if I could fly across the sky from east to west at 186,000 miles per second, when I got there, you'd already be there, Lord. Um, and, and so why... why Tell me what you think about the, the Mediterranean, the sea, as far as the east is from the west. Remember, he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west because the two never touch. They never come back together again. So, so if he's saying, uh, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, why would that be important? I just I liked that it, the word lead, uh -huh. it meant, um, there was a lot of words that it meant to lead, to guide, to bring to a place, but then it said govern and straighteneth. And I liked that it said the govern because even there he will lead, he will govern. And he is the highest in authority. And I and so that stuck with me. And then straighteneth I liked because I think that sometimes we're going in the wrong direction. And when he's leading us, he is the um, he's he's our shepherd and he guides us and he straightens our path. But that, that's all true, but that's the next passage. Let's go back and find out why on the wings of the dawn and the settle on the far side of the oh. sea, why are those two extremes there? It's another extreme. It's another, 
as far as we can get apart, as far as you can run. If you run as far as the, if you catch that sunbeam and run as far away as you can across the earth, or if you take the Mediterranean, the biggest, widest ocean that we can possibly pick out to say it's as far away as possible, even there you are. So it's those two extremes again. So we can't miss those two extremes. And then as Leah said, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold me fast. What's a hand symbolic of, guys? The right hand is what? Power and strength. Power, authority, uh, direction. If I want to guide my child, I'm going to take her by the hand and guide. I'm going to put my hand on her back and guide and direct. It's a picture of his direction. Um, it, it is... Uh, uh, it represents the Lord conducting one along the right path. So what about the other word, your right hand will lay hold on me? Do you think guide or lead is a gentle term? I think that is, but what about the lay hold of? Is that a gentle term? No, I don't grasp. think at all. What is Gra it? Grasp or take, seize, seize. fasten, possess. Especially so, with the hand. So to lay hold on, it's almost a violent mm -hmm. connotation, isn't it? And so I think you see the opposites there. It's God leading gently, tenderly, and God grasping, seizing, laying a hold of. Tell me about that. Why, why would he use both of those terms? So I think, um, yes. like, I, I think go back to the babies again. You know, I like, because we, we're on these FaceTime calls with them, and, and Everett is constantly, like, taking off and and she has to grab hold of his hand and steer him because he'd go in the street he'd go over here he does he has no fear of anything they have no fear of anything they're just going where they want to go and doing what they want to do and so they're constantly grabbing them you know Very and, good. and 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 restraining them because he'll go he'll he'll go into the street he'll pick up poop i mean he'll do what he, he'll eat it you know mm -hmm. and so so i think that's what god does is he he has to sometimes rein us in. Don't and you sometimes he can just gently lead. But when Haley is seizing Everett and grabbing a hold of him, is it because she's being mean to him? No, I mean, that's her love. It's her protective mm -hmm. care. Yeah, very good. It's like the picture of his staff and his rod. You know, the staff leads and the rod corrects. Yeah, very good. It's the same yeah. type of thing. Very good. Did you see that it was a, an idiom? Did anybody find that in your study, that it was a common idiom? Uh, it was a common idiom uh, to be seized by pain, like childbirth. Um, so that word, uh, his right hand will take hold of me or lay hold of me, it's the same word of pain that you're seized in pain in childbirth and labor and you're bringing forth a child. Are, are you with me? And so it, it can be a picture of being seized with pain as well. How does God use pain in our life to guide us, to direct us, to, to get our attention? Yeah. And, and sometimes we really shrink back from pain when that happens. But it's still God's, all of this is a picture of God's gracious guidance in our life. Yeah. So, all right. So even there, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. This was my favorite part of the whole passage. What did you find out about that? If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, one of the passages say. What did you find out? It said, if I say. And it said to say in one's heart and to think. 
So you didn't even have to speak it because he already knows what's in your heart or even what, um, into, he knows what you're thinking. So it's like he just knows you so well. You yeah. don't even have to tell anyone. He knows it already. Yeah. Yep. If you say it in your heart. I thought the other one was to act proudly or to command. If I say... Uh, the darkness will overwhelm me. Remember, we've talked about confessions and the, the importance of what you're confessing, how your mouth holds the power of life and death, and what we're saying, we, we create with our words. In fact, the first mention of this word was where? In Genesis 1, Genesis 1, 3, God said, let there be light. He created by what he said. And so what are we saying here? If I say... Surely the darkness will overwhelm me. Oh, I'm just going to tell you, sometimes we say the darkness is going to overwhelm me. We create that reality with what we're speaking out of our mouth. My life is so bad. God doesn't love me. God should just knock me over. What are you doing? You are creating with your mouth. You're saying even the darkness will overwhelm me. You're speaking reality. You're creating with your words. And he's saying, even if I say, the darkness will overwhelm me. What's the word darkness there? One of the words was obscurity, and it means shrouded or hidden. There was secret place. And the one that I really liked was confuse. Huh. Why did you like that, Leah? Just, I saw there's that. There's so many negative words, and I just thought that one of them was to be hidden, concealed, and confused. And... Um, that's darkness. I, that's darkness. I, I liked that it was misery, sorrow, sadness. So if I say the sadness is going to overwhelm me, if I say the misery in my life, see, I've been guilty of this. If I say the misery in my life is overwhelming me, what, what's the word overwhelm me before we even go any further? It's all a part of that word. It, it, it means to crush, to bruise, to lie in wait for, to attack. How many of you have ever said that? It, is my life just as one bad thing after another, just keeps attacking me, I keep bumping into it, just keeps overwhelming me, I never get a break, this is just how my life is, my life is full of misery, it's full of sorrow. What was the other word? Sadness. <laughs> spoken of a dark place in life. If I say this dark place is overwhelming me, even there you are. And here's the good news. The light will become night around me. What did you find out about that? Even the night. What was even the night there? It was of gloom, gloom. protective shadow. Did you look up the root word to that? What did you find out, Leah? I thought this was phenomenal. Put, get your mic. Winding stairs. Okay, so even the night, which means gloom, means a time of darkness. The root word means a winding stair or an enclosed Shaft. place with steps or, or a ladder, okay? An enclosed place with steps or a ladder. Why would that stick out to me? Anybody? If it means a place of gloom, and the root word means an enclosed place with steps or a ladder, what does that mean? You can get out if you make a choice to climb out. Or you can stay in that pit, in that place of gloom or despair. See why studying God's word is so profound? 
I just thought that was profound because what I see so often are people who like that place of death, that place of pity, that place of gloom, that place of misery or sorrow, and it just becomes overwhelming to them and they can't get out. And God's word says that place comes from a place with a ladder that you can climb out of because my presence is there. Is that profound to anybody besides yeah, me? Can I just say that the, going back to that word hell then, uh -huh. you know that root word, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, that place, that place of beggary. Uh -huh. And I think that, you know, when we get trapped in our sin, when we're in that place where we're exiled from God, we're without praise and we're in that place of darkness, really, we can't get out of it ourselves. Yes. And we really are like common beggars. We uh -huh. really don't even have anything to offer God. We can just go to him and say, can, can you just take me out of this place? And and the good thing is that he does. But and I he was, throws the ladder down. <laughs> yeah. And so to me, it's a picture of being so decrepit. Yeah. And and yet he, it's a good place to be in because when yeah. we're in that place, we have nothing to be proud of. We have nothing to put our, our self-worth into or anything we can just say. All I can do is ask God to forgive me and get me out of this awful place I'm in. Very good. Good, good, good. Yeah, good, just going back to the darkness word, um, it was underground prison. Ah, and that's how so good. I just see that. In a prison. And it also said treasures of darkness, ah. where sometimes we're so stuck and that you kind of, that's your treasure. So, so it said treasures of darkness. One of my favorite verses that used to be a life verse for me, I, I said it all the time, was that God will give us treasures of darkness Riches stored in secret places. I think it's Isaiah 41 or something. That there are treasures in darkness. If you're in a dark place right now, if you're in a place of misery or sorrow, I promise you that if you seek God in the midst of it, he will give you treasures of darkness. He will give you riches stored in secret places. But you've got to seek him. And you have to understand that even there he is. And so you can call on him and he will listen. He'll listen. So what is light? He, he says, um, even the, the light become night around me. What's that word, light? Illumination. Illumination. What else did you find out? I thought there was something very profound in one of the definitions. Light of joy and happiness. Uh -huh. <laughs> so my light of joy and happiness will become night around me, will become dark, a place of gloom around me. I'm going to lose my joy and my happiness. Prosperity um, was one too. Pros I, I, I'm going to lose my prosperity. Nothing's going to prosper in my life anymore. Uh, do you see it? That when I choose to go to that place of darkness, that place of uh, of of uh, misery uh, and sadness, that's what I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose that prosperity. Very good. Um, so then he says, but look what happens. Even the darkness will become will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. What did you find out about that? So that dark, which is the very same word that we looked at, will not be dark to him. He sees, he, sees, he can see through it. Um, the night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you. So uh, that, that gloom, that adversity, that midnight season, that place of misery will shine like the day. What does that word shine mean? Did anybody look it up? This was a breakthrough for me. The word shine, did you look it up? Let's look it up here then. Leah, did you One get it? One of the words was kindle. That's what it is, so. it's shine. 
Yeah. Yeah. So why why would Kindle be important? Well, because it can start out small and it it can get greater. So um, when we go camping, we need wood to start. A, you, Dave calls it kindling. He throws little pieces of wood in to get the fire started, and you have to kindle the fire. You have to keep it going. So look at that. So. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me or overwhelm me, the light will become night around me. I'm in that place of pity and defeat. Even the darkness will become, it will not be dark to you. The night will shine, will kindle like the day. For darkness is as light to you. That when your presence comes in, what happens? Kindling gets on my fire. He begins to illuminate my life. He begins to, to, to light up. He begins to bring prosperity back. He, he begins to lift that gloom and that misery and that sorrow off of me because of his presence. His presence in that situation has the power to do that. That ladder will come to climb out of that pit, but we have to choose to take it. What else did you find? Anything else that stuck out to you about in the, that last part? I, I love that it also, did you see that the first mention of this word light? Yeah, but why? Oh, day. The first mention of the word day. Did you check that out? Look at this. This was so cool. Did you see the word day here? means day, time of year. But look here. Huh. It was herb somewhere. Did you yeah, see that's it? That's in... Um, was it that's, light? Yeah, that's in the word. Um, light, was it? First Kings 439 and the light. Light. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. It means herbs. She went out mm -hmm. to the field to gather herbs. So that word light, is it light, Leslie? Yes. Yeah, it means, means yep. herbs. It's translated as herbs. Now, why would I think that was important? Anybody? I did You're find a cook. It. What did yeah. you think about it? Well, it said about a plant or an herb, um, and it said the dew of the herbs, um, the dew of God shall refresh, the, refresh those that rise from the dead, like the dew refreshes the plants, um, that the dew is life-giving to the plants. And in that first mention of Second Chronicle or Second Kings, um, it said, so they went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from its lap full of wild gourds and came and sliced them into the pot, though they did not know what they were. And it was actually like poison, I think. Mm -hmm. It kind yeah. of uh, caused death. Yeah. And um, so it was kind of like the extreme again. They were gathering the, the dew, the, the dew that was on the herbs growing the plants is life-giving, but then sometimes we also put that wild vine in our pot and it causes death. There you go. Very good. And, and so that was the word where he says, um, the night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. An herb, if I like to cook, and, and so if I uh, put herbs into something, what does it do? Gives flavor, gives life to whatever I'm cooking. And, and that's what he's saying about himself there. Uh, anything else stick out to you or to anybody else in the congregation that you wanted to talk about? Yes. Rhea? Yes, uh-huh. So I don't mean to take anything out of context or anything like that, but this whole passage kind of just reminds me of the cross, like the heights to the depths, the east to the west. Very good, Masha. And even the darkness of the cross but then the light of the resurrection. Very good. 
That is a great, that's a great, great correlation. Very, very good. It, it also reminded me of Genesis 1, you know, in the beginning. If, if you flip back to Genesis 1, I think you see everything there as well, where, where it talks about darkness and chaos. It was formless and void. Um, it means it was filled with confusion and emptiness. <laughs> um, and this is, this is the place of darkness here. In the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. Even there he was in that darkness. And he said, let there be light, and there was light. But chaos was reigning, and darkness was threatening it. And, and God shows up, and everything changes. And, and isn't that what happens in our life? And I think that's what David is saying in this psalm. Um, that there's nowhere I can flee from you. And, and, and isn't it interesting that, that we see Jonah, he wanted to flee from the presence of God. But even God found him. Where did he find him? <laughs> in the, and stuck him in the whale until he got his attention. And some of you are in the belly of the whale right now. And God's just trying to get your attention. And his presence is with you. Um, his presence is with you. There's nowhere you can go to flee his presence. Nowhere you can go to run from his spirit. Any questions, any other insight or anything you got when you studied this week that you want to share? Hello. Uh, that last part of uh, how, um, you know, Jesus is light and pushes the, the darkness, it's, it's an example of what we are to be. You know, with Jesus living in us, we should represent the light in a dark world. And, and so I think there's a twofold message in here, do you think? Mm. That that is, it's an example of what we can be to, a, you know, the hurting world is to be that, that love and that represent Jesus, right? Yeah. Well, I think Karen's right. And it goes back to, to what Karen was saying about uh, pregnancy and carrying that child uh, within her and that child everywhere she went, that child was. And, and we are hidden with God in Christ Jesus. And so uh, that's, I always think about being an atmosphere changer. Where I go, he goes. And, and so we're bringing the light into dark places. Yeah, very good. Um, next week, uh, if you want to look at verses 13 through... Um, Six, uh, 16, let's do 13 through 16. Um, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, these are going to be powerful scriptures uh, that we look at. I just want to, I brought a commentary. I just wanted to read uh, just one little excerpt from it before we go. No destiny can separate me from the fact of God. If I go to heaven, God is there, of course. And if I go to hell, I still will not escape God. Of course, other scriptures make it clear that there is a vast difference between the experience of God for the one who is in heaven and for the one who is in Sheol or hell. In heaven, we shall experience to the full the love, compassion, glory, and warmth of God, the positives of God. In hell, it is the other way around. There, men will experience the absence of God's love, the dark side of it, the wrath of God, his negatives. But it is still God. That is the point. God who owns and runs his universe, there is no escaping his presence. And I, I just thought that was profound. Um, that was what we were talking about with Sh